You're listening to the MoneyWeb SAFM Market Update Podcast. The rich are getting richer while the poor are getting poorer. At this time of the year, the World Economic Forum meets where a number of stakeholders are there, including uh, government officials from around the world, uh, including civil society groups, business people, etc., etc. And of course, Oxfam at this time of the year also released their report talking to inequality um, in the world. And according to the latest report, billionaire fortunes are increasing by 2.7 billion rand a day, uh, 2.7 billion US dollars, I beg your pardon, a day, while at least 1.7 billion US dollar, uh, 1.7 billion workers now live in countries where inflation is outpacing wages. Uh, let's speak now to Kwesi Obeng, Regional Program Advisor on Inequality at Oxfam International. Kwesi, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Perhaps let's start with how the report was put together. Well, so uh, this is the 10th year we're putting this report together. So we're not new at this. Um, and so we have a fairly rigorous methodology in terms of the numbers. But the numbers mostly come from um, Credit Suisse um, numbers, and as well as Bloomberg, um, in terms of the number of uh, billionaires. And then some of the other data um, essentially come from some of the major um, global databases um, that the institutions like the IMF World Bank uh, play host to. So um, in terms of the quality of the report, it's credible and, and and we haven't had any issues in terms of the quality over the last 10 years that we've been publishing this report. And as you rightly pointed out, I mean, at any time in history, this will be appalling to have a tiny few of the population, just 1%, um, basically worthing as much as 99% of, of, you know, close to two-thirds of the wealth, that new wealth that are coming through. And it's coming on the back of one in a century um, pandemic. And remember, on the back of this pandemic, we have a multiplicity of damaging headwinds. So you have food, energy, uh, um, crisis, on the back of that, you also have this inflation that is sweeping across the world. What mm. it means essentially is that the 99% of the world's population are having to bear the brunt of all of this, whilst the 1% basically accumulate pretty much all of the new wealth that have been created over the last um, three years since we've had the COVID. And that is a tragedy because it is dreadful. And it's not as if our government's are incapable of responding to the crisis and reversing the trend such that it benefits the 99% and not just simply the the, the 1%. Um, they do have what it takes, but the question is, why aren't they taking the, the right decisions to ensure that in fa- uh, you know there's a balance in terms of who bears the burden? Uh, I think that's the question the paper um, seeks to respond to and also provide some um, specific responses in terms of solutions, recommendations mm-hmm. um, that governments could take, one, to address this crisis um, that has been actually brewing over the last 40 years. In fact, over the last 40 years, we've seen the wealth of the topmost 1%, you know, take on a, a ladder up into the sky, while the 99% has been on a descent. And I think COVID just exposed um, that inequality around the world. Kwesi, how do you then respond to somebody that says, oh, well, if people are working for their wealth, then let them enjoy it. I- is it as simple as that or is it far more complicated? 
Well, I mean, I think for anyone who presents that as a response, it's been very simplistic and, and quite frankly, unsophisticated because the data does not bear that out. It's not as if billionaires woke up in some day, one morning uh, in, in 2020 and suddenly became smarter than the rest of the world or became more entrepreneur than the rest or or became you know more hardworking than the 99 percent no what it is is that a structure over the last 40 years there's been a push towards cutting taxes for the super rich whilst the rest of the population continue to pay the brand so i'll give you just one example which again is cited in the report so there's this woman a middle-aged woman who sells flour in, in, in Uganda, in Kampala. She pays as much as 40% of her income. She makes barely uh, the equivalent of 1,350,000 no, uh, rand, that's 1,350, which is equivalent to about $80. Now she pays 40% of that, that's about 540 um, rand in taxes. Now, one of the richest men in the world paid less than 3% of his wealth in taxes. I mean, how can that be fair? It's, it's not as if this woman works any less, but it's because the structures in place basically em, em, empowers the rich to be able to avoid paying their fair taxes. And also there's a continuous pressure on governments to continue to cut down the tax burden of, of, of the rich. Just one last point I need to make. I mean, on, in terms of income, somehow workers are punished for their earnings. And yet the rich who make $2.7 billion in a day get to, you know, basically to go away without paying anything on their income. That can't be fair and that can't be right. So I think it's more sophisticated than that. And I just give you one, if you don't mind, as recently as just 1980, the U.S. was placing as much as 70% um, in terms of the tax burden, in terms of how much it was charging the rich, 70% in terms of taxes. What well, today it's come down and there's pressure on a lot of countries to basically come down to the lowest end in terms of charging countries um, of the richest in the world. And so that accounts for why um, the rich continue to amass so much wealth, was the, you know, the poorest 99% of the world's population are basically are on, a, are on a downward slope. Um, so, so essentially the point I'm trying to make is that, and the, the report makes it very succinct, you know, the rich are not paying their fair share of taxes. So you, you have no insurance taxes, um, inheritance taxes, property taxes, um, capital gains. Whilst, you know, labor is taxed heavily, capital is not taxed. You asked a question earlier on as to why governments are not taking action, why they are not implementing policy or at least being innovative um, about it. What does the report reveal where that is concerned? Well, so a number a number of reasons. One is that the international, so two things. One is that at this level of uh, wealth grabbing by the tiny rich, intersects with a number of very important issues in the world. So issues around gender, issues around race, and issues around colonization. So 
again in the report if you take just uh, the top 10 the top 1000 richest people on earth only 125 are women and only five of them i'm not talking of five percent only five of them are blacks so there is an intersection um with inequality and the wealth of accumulation most of the wealthiest tend to be you know white men essentially from the global north the developed countries so this so the point we are trying to make is that there's a history to it and it's structural in character and we need to address it um it's not it's not one of those solutions um one of one of solutions it's it's obvious that we need to address the the international financial architecture that is structured in such a way that it actually takes from those who have very little and hands over to those who have more and that that's that's the 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 the, the character of the international um, financial architecture that the report seeks to draw um global and national attention to in terms of reversing that trend because quite frankly it's unacceptable in this particular age um, in the 21st century uh, when the world's population is also growing and there's pressure on on basically the poorest of, of, of the world and 99 percent um, around the world to carry a you know this tiny a small fraction of the world's population um, that continue to accumulate so much wealth to the detriment of everyone else and i think covid just exposed just how um unfair and not um, improper such a system and such a, st- a world structure a world economic structure is um and, and that it ought to be reversed uh, at the barest minimum and and as as i indicated we do provide solutions um mm. around what uh, with the terms of what government can actually do to reverse the trend and and i think that it's important for our governments to pay attention to some of these solutions that we we propose um Let's get in into the report. those I mean, uh, solutions. Yeah, let's get into the solutions because you mentioned the nuances of gender, race, and colonization, right? So you speak of addressing international or the international financial architecture. When you take a look at the African continent, for instance, right, with everything that is on this continent. Let's take away the conflicts. Let's take away the insecurity. Let's take away the security issues. Uh, run significantly well. Africa can do even more than what um, some people expect, right, and even surpass that. And so when we maybe take a look at the global south but hone in on the African continent, what then is the solution? What do governments need to do? Yes. So um, just a couple of months ago, just before the close of 2020, African leaders tabled a motion at the UN General Assembly asking for the UN to set up a global tax body, basically, that brings everybody, every country to the table. At the moment, what we have is the one led by the OECD, which essentially is a club of rich countries, uh, northern countries, where most of the richest, the top 1% are based and are from. So African leaders have recognized the need for it. Um, a correction of the current structure and so they've tabled and that's been adopted at the um at the, uh, the united nations so that is definitely one step towards having a fairer um international tax 
system that addresses the needs particularly of, of some of the countries and regions that have been marginalized in this um, current um, structure. And so, so, but that's just one. I think there is, uh, governments can actually, even before then, can begin to do some things. And one of them is that in many countries around the world, including uh, most parts of Africa, there is hardly, they haven't even started. There's nothing like inheritance tax or no property tax. And so what it means is that you are actually giving away huge sums of money to those who already have so much and taking, and essentially what it also means is that you are taking from those who have very little in these economies, as I referred to in the case of this woman, and basically feeding um, the, 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 the tiny rich uh, minority. And, and, and the case is that it's not just simply in the northern parts of the world that have this situation. You come to our own continent, just back to your question, we also have the same scenario. And I give you just a case of um, West Africa. If we take countries like Burkina Faso, Ghana, um, Senegal, and Niger, the 0.1% of the population own as much as 50% of the wealth, new wealth created in the last three years. So it's pretty much mirror image of what is happening globally and therefore our government really ought to act local but then also act at the global level um, when there is space as as the as we've seen um, in terms of the tabling of that um, decision at the um, at the un which has not been adopted by the the general assembly that yes we need a global um a global tax body to really address some of the, um, the the inequities inherent in the current um, global financial architecture with regards particularly to taxation of wealth. Mm. Kwesi Obeng, Regional Program Advisor on Inequality at Oxfam International. That's all the time we could afford this evening. Thank you very much for your time. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb SAFM Market Update podcast, uploaded weekdays at 7 p.m. For more MoneyWeb podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.